0: Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode number 16 for August 26, 2010. This is the only podcast that actually interviews real people, real people following me on Twitter. I am your host, Cade Dworkin, and on today's episode, I've got Olivier Blanchard at The Brand Builder. Once again, I need to thank this show's sponsor, 140. If you're looking for a great Twitter application to get the information the way you want it from Twitter, 140 is definitely the place to go. With reviews from real users and a clear description of each app's features, 140 should be your only Twitter directory resource. Every character counts. Do more with 140. Today's guest happens to be one of, I think, the foremost thinkers in uh, the social media space. Um, So Olivier, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Hey, my pleasure.
0: Well, I think that you and I started a conversation. I think it was via Twitter or via comment on your blog um, that uh, kind of sparked this back and forth and, and uh, why you're here. But why don't you explain to people kind of uh, who you are and what you're blogging about?
1: Oh, sure. Well, uh, God, what what do I not blog about? <laughs> it, it seems to be a little erratic sometimes. I'm supposed to be – well, my name is Olivia Blanchard on Twitter you might know me as @thebrandbuilder uh and uh, the reason why it's my Twitter uh, name is that is because my blog is the brand builder blog and uh, what I am is is really a uh, a brand management uh, specialist i've been in the marketing world for a while and i really started the blog and and this kind of dialogue with people online to talk about best practices in brand management and brand development. And of course, because uh, brand management touches on so many different things from customer experience to you know operational leadership and, and HR and, and communications and, and pretty much everything. Uh, the conversations tend to be fairly broad uh, some days you know we we talk about politics, some days we talk about uh, training employees or recruiting. Some days we talk about marketing communications or advertising or social media so we we touched on a lot of topics, which is kind of interesting
0: It definitely is uh, one of the things that initially caught my attention, I think it was you know uh, so I forget actually who it was in my blog role that you know recommended you because of. Your uh, social media ROI thought process, and there was one video in particular, which I would love to kind of highlight if you can give kind of a nutshell around. I'll I'll link to uh, to the video itself in the show notes.
1: Sure. Well, you know, the, the the ROI discussion has been kind of like one of the big things uh that that people always ask me about. And uh, and I don't think I've really figured this out. I mean, to me ROI is simple. You can look it up, you know, Google ROI uh by itself and and you'll find a very simple equation which really touches on on the the cost of the dollar value of an investment and then the dollar value of a gain. Uh and and the relationship between the two essentially gives you that return. So, um when it comes to social media, though, for some strange, bizarre reason, uh, a lot of you know, quote unquote, social media experts or gurus or however you want to call them, have decided that uh, social media ROI was going to be something different, and and it's been kind of bizarre. And, and so, about a year and a half ago. You know, I was I was working mostly on you know setting up best practices for social media programs and and how to actually build them, and I I came across this this problem uh, especially on Twitter and 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 on in the blogosphere, of people, tr- essentially completely misunderstanding. Uh, the relationship between ROI and social media, and, and creating new versions of it that made absolutely no sense, and these crazy, outlandish equations and calculators that were based in not at all in reality. And and I realized that there was a huge issue that that I hadn't really touched on yet, which was that when companies reached out to their marketing partners or to social media "quote unquote" experts, uh, advertising agencies, PR firms, marketing firms, and asked them. About the ROI of social media, they were not getting the answer they expected. They were getting answers about engagement, about conversation, about followers, about a lot of, of different metrics, but they weren't getting an answer that addressed their their return on investment question, which was: If I invest hundred thousand dollars in this program, you know, on salaries and tools and whatnot, what am I going to get out of it, or how am I going to measure success? Uh, based on that investment, what will my return be, and how will I know what my return is? And they were asking a financial question. they were saying, if I spend a hundred thousand dollars on this as opposed to spending $100,000 on something else how will this benefit my business and my pnl my bottom line so what they were getting instead of of getting a, an answer to their financial question was well the the roi is going to be that you're going to get a lot of followers or you're going to get a lot of you know click throughs or traffic to your website and these are all these are great but they're intermediate metrics right i mean they're basically precursors to a financial you know outcome uh, and, and that's really when it came, became clear to me that there was a huge rift between the marketing world and the, the social media kind of evangelists and what they saw as the benefit to a company and, and how they understood ROI and the way that you know tr- classically trained MBAs and uh, you know, people who actually deal with budgets and P&Ls and, and, uh, and, and, and other financial data uh, and make serious decisions about businesses – uh, looked at ROI. There was there was a language problem.
0: Yeah, there definitely and, was. I mean, yeah. and I don't mean to jump in here, but it, it's I'm going to do it anyways because yeah. you know, I've got a foot in both worlds, right? I've got this classic MBA, and I've also got or uh, M- MSIM, which is a long story as to how that's related to an MBA. But and then I've <laughs> uh, and then I've been a community evangelist, right? I've been a, a yeah. community manager, so I can see both sides of this argument, which is why I always enjoy seeing you talk about it because you, you bring, you bring back, I'll, I'll reference Jay Bear, right? Who is a guy who, you know, and, and, and awesome guy. He was doing a webinar earlier today and uh, he said that, you know, companies aren't in the business of getting more followers. Exactly. I mean, it's a brilliant thing, right? Because it's so simple, right? You're in a business to do whatever you're great at. either sell a product, sell a service, whatever it is. So you have to, you know, how does getting more followers translate to that? And that's something that You've really begun to do some heavy research into it, and, and I enjoy reading your blog posts because it is constantly that. Um, so you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the blog. One of the things that I love is the fact that your blog posts aren't like 400 words and they stop dead. You go you, in-depth. You go, in depth. You go yeah. deep, and you, you know, are willing to write a 900-word you know, blog post because you want to get your point completely across. Is that a thought – is that like a conscious thought or is that just the way that you communicate?
1: No, no, no. I'm just really long-winded. Uh, I can't help it. So it, <laughs> it's awesome. – I would love to have the, uh, the, the talent that some people have to express my point in, in very few words. Uh, but I, I can't. I mean I just start – I get started and then I go off on tangents and, and you know, I eventually come back to it. So I'm, I'm a very kind of like narrative-minded uh, blogger or writer. Uh, I'm not succinct at all. But it, and in a way, it's funny because I spend a lot of time on Twitter where you're limited to 140 characters per you know, thought for, per point. And to me, it's therapy. And, and it's funny that I can, I can mix both. I can do 140 characters and I can do you know, 15,000 word blog posts. But I have a really hard time limiting a blog post to three paragraphs. Uh, to me, that's just, that's just kind of an intro. And, and I admire people who can do it. And I, I know many of them. Uh, actually, Jay is one of them. He can actually do it. He yeah. can get his point across in you know four or five paragraphs. Uh, and I'm, I'm amazed. I'm like, damn, that that would have taken me, you know, three hours. Well,
0: it's <laughs> one of those things where it's just a different way to communicate, right? Where you know, yeah. you and I are people who write these huge blog posts, and and we want to show. That, or at least I know I want to show that I've thought this through, and the yeah. way that it comes out is that I need to back it up with more facts and more facts and more facts, just because that's the way I write doesn't mean that it's always the right way to write or that it is the most effective way to. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think you and I, you know, appreciate the people who are very, um, they they have the ability to be very, very brief uh, in the way they communicate because that's not the way that we're wired.
1: That's right. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think it's a brain thing. I think it's, uh, it's, it's nature there. Some people are like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you've, you've started to do more and more speaking gigs, right? I mean, you, you've, you know, as you've grown this, this blog, which has you know, gotten to be quite large from what I can see, I'll, I'll, you're not posting subscriber numbers, but given your Twitter numbers, i got to believe you're in the tens of thousands of people who are subscribing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, you're starting to get these opportunities to speak at different conferences. Talk to me about your experience there where you know, now you've got to you – know, you're set at 45 minutes or you're set at an hour. Go <laughs> in and right. you know, in, impart your knowledge to a new group of people. Yeah,
1: um, you know, it's it's really it's fascinating. Uh so the one thing I've learned is that I'm not afraid to speak in front of large audiences, which is good uh because that would be kind of, you know, a hurdle for me if if I had that problem. Uh and I don't stammer or stutter that much, so that's also pretty good. But you know, I I really enjoy it. Um there's, there's some pros and cons. The pros are that I, I, I like being able to travel, and the, the speaking has really gotten me traveling a lot. Uh, I just went to Australia. I'm, I'm going to the Middle East later this year. Uh, I've, I've flown to Europe a few times to speak at conferences there. I'm flying across the U.S. meeting awesome people. And it's, um, it's great to be able to have that, that physical connection with an audience. I'm not a huge fan of doing webinars, I mean, I, I'll do them, and I, I enjoy doing them. But you're kind of like talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blog is is a fantastic way to to communicate, and I love writing. I, I love crafting a blog post and uh and doing that kind of stuff but there's nothing that compares to actually engaging with an audience where you can look out in the crowd even if it's only 10 people uh and see people either nodding or shaking their heads uh you know kind of giving you that direct feedback where you can actually kind of stop the presentation for a minute and you know reach out to them and say okay no you you don't agree with me what's going on and turn it into a dialogue uh it's it's invaluable it's it's really amazing. So, um, the, the catch-22, though, is that getting to places to speak takes a lot of time. And uh, when I spend, you know, for every hour that I spend presenting, I spend really two days traveling. And, and that's two days that I can't spend on working on projects or working with clients. And so, uh, it, it's getting to be a little bit of a problem because the more I speak, the less actual, like, quote-unquote, real work I get to do. And I want to be really careful that I don't become, you know, a professional speaker, uh, you know, basically just a talking head. I, I need to be able to still balance the real work and uh, and, the, and the speaking.
0: Well, that's a- – that's really interesting to me that, that you're starting to feel that strain, right? Because there's a couple people in the community who I know who want to become professional speakers, right? So they're actively trying to find more ways to get more <laughs> speaking engagement and less and less on the you know, real consultancy side. So it's very interesting for me that you want to limit that, especially given your involvement with the RedShare group. Would you like yeah. to, to talk about uh, that project that you started? I think it was what, a year ago now?
1: Yeah, not quite a year. Uh, it's it's been kind of an interesting experiment. So the the Red Chair Group initially didn't start out uh, as what it is today. The, uh, the idea was just uh, – I was talking to a friend in a, in a coffee shop, and we were talking about the fact that HR departments were not equipped to deal with the changes brought about by the social media world uh, in terms of establishing social media guidelines and policies for companies, in terms of training employees, maybe monitoring them and, uh, and helping them not get themselves and their, uh, their company – their employer in trouble. So we're thinking about putting together a, a, a consultancy specifically to address those needs and target HR departments, especially since it was you know, in the middle of the economic crisis or at least at the, the start, um, and HR departments weren't really doing a whole lot of recruiting. So they needed to have something to do to, to prove their worth to the organization. So we were talking and you know, we, we came to the topic of what should we call it? And uh the my the person I was talking to was sitting on this red armchair. And I said, well, we could call it anything, you know, red chair. And then we just kind of rationalized that, you know, hot seat, red chair, there was an HR component and that whole deal. Well, eventually, um, you know, in, in developing the the idea, the concept, it, it became obvious that HR wasn't the only thing or the only department in an organization that needed the help, that really every department needed the help. And that furthermore the decision makers, basically the C-suite from the CEO down to you know VPs and director level even, might not be close enough to the world of social media, uh, especially as it applied to their particular competencies, to make educated decisions as to hiring, budgets, training, operations, strategy, tactics, etc. And there really wasn't a training program out there that – specifically targeted these decision makers these managers especially at the very high level they seem to delegate uh, social media knowledge and savvy to uh, very junior folks even down to you know the 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 classic intern. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why not, knowing what I know, uh, and, and working in the way that I work, why not create a training program that would help educate these upper echelons of companies so they would make, they would be able to make more educated decisions, make better decisions, and, uh, and really kind of speed up or facilitate the adoption of social media and, enter- and the enterprise, um, as opposed to, to staying where we are now, which is, you know the the big guys at the top essentially don 't understand it; they know they need it, and they delegate it to somebody further down uh, yeah. who doesn 't have the power to assign proper budgets or to really integrate social media into the the, the entire company the way it needs to be so that's that 's basically how um, how Redshare was born. so what we do is uh, it 's kind of like the American management Association style of workshops, uh, except you don 't come to a, a central location. Uh, Red share essentially goes to a major city, so we identify a city that's next on the list uh, that that's a good prospect, and we set up an event there. And the first day is usually for uh, executives, so it's very high level. Uh, basically, it deals with with integrating social media for the entire company. And then the second day is usually for more junior people, and it deals more with the uh, the day-to-day management of a social media program. Whether you're you know a customer service manager or a marketing manager or an advertising or you know online reputation management whatever it is
0: uh, and how, how would people you know end up getting notified that you're coming to their town or that you guys are putting on another event I mean I know you guys have a dedicated website but do you guys put any kind of notice out for that
1: yeah, yeah, we do. So actually, we've got a, a whole. Uh, we, we took a break in the in the summer just because of vacations and travel and, and my speaking uh, gigs. But in the fall, we're putting on a few. There's one in Chicago, one in Kansas City. Uh, so what we do typically is I partner with somebody in that city, somebody on site who is tied into the local business community. And, uh, in some cases we work with sponsors in some cases we don't, but the idea is to really make it kind of local and grassroots. So we reach out to that community from within essentially all the business organizations in that area, all the clubs, all the associations and societies and whatever. Um, are notified, and then we, we try to get them, if they're interested, to communicate um, the, the dates and all the details to everybody on their mailing list, everybody who's interested. And that's basically what we do. So it's, um, you know, we don't do any, uh, you know, advertising or, 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 you know, mass media campaigns. Um, but the trick is that we try to reach people who are not currently on Twitter, people who aren't on blogs. So So, yeah, so we have to use non-social media means to uh, to reach those people. So we have to use traditional media, which is kind of you know ironic in a way when you think about it.
0: Uh, Absolutely, and and what's really smart to me about the way that you are approaching this is that you're leveraging, like you said, somebody who's in the community already. You're leveraging existing relationships, and so that's just it's so brilliant because you know those. The more that I've done you know just gotten an experience in life, it seems that people are the people who are going to help you, so go help people first and yeah. so you know that's really smart that you're you're enabling those people to then be you know facilitating people coming in and learning about your area of expertise or whoever your speakers are at, at an event and and that's just Really, really fascinating to me, but let's, let's kind of wrap up this interview, and one of my favorite questions as I've been going through these uh, entire set of now you know, 16 episodes is uh, who are the people that you're following on Twitter that you are really enjoying their content?
1: Oh wow! Uh, well, see that puts me on the spot because if I forget to mention somebody, then I'll, I'll never hear the end of it. That's the uh, fun part
0: here, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So if yeah, if I don't mention your name uh, out there, don't it doesn't mean that you're not on the list. It's just the list is really long, and we're we're limited for time. Um, well, you know, it's weird because I mean there are specific people that I follow uh, on Twitter and and in the blogosphere uh, that I have in a, in a special column. I, I call it the ten. Okay. Basically, I use TweetDeck, so um, so I have columns for everything. I have columns for you know, French bloggers and you know, bloggers in the UK and, and Australia. Um, but the 10 started out really as the 10 people I was going to follow who were the most influential, the people that I really – or whose feed I really wanted to have. And okay. I wanted to limit it to those 10. Now it's about 40. I still call it the 10. <laughs> that's what the column is called. But, um So you know you you have everybody from uh you know one of one of the people that I talk to the most on on Twitter I think uh and you can check the stats on that I think you know Christy Colvin yeah uh uh, we 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 talk a lot and we do some work together and she's involved in um, in Red Chair as well so that's that's probably one of the reasons why
0: I get the feeling with her though that like I'm listening in on or I'm overhearing one of your conversations between one and another on Twitter it's it's absolutely fascinating to watch.
1: Oh yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's like being in the same room. Um, know Neville Hobson or at Jangles is one of the people that I follow. Uh, you know, Jay Baer, Chris Brogan, Brian Solis. Uh, I mean, there, there's a ton of people, but, but what's weird though is I, initially I thought that column was going to be a lot more important than it became. I really thought that it was going to be kind of like the bulwark of, of, uh, of the information that I get. And it turns out that it's not, um, Essentially, the the interactions that I have with people on Twitter isn't so much a question of who I follow; it's who talks to me. So, anytime I see an at the brand builder, that's really the column I look at. So, you know, whether it's somebody that uh, that I typically follow or someone whose feed I haven't really paid attention to in six months, it really doesn't matter. I mean, the relevance is in the now. So, uh, so it's kind of common for me to talk to somebody that you know I I kind of follow, but. Not, you know, specifically necessarily, right? Because I follow like, what, 10,000 people? So I can't really pay attention to what everybody's saying. Um, But I've created a system whereby I follow people who have something interesting to say, whether it's about social media or, you know, the movie industry or cooking or running or triathlon, whatever it is. Um, And when something pops up that's relevant to me at the time, it just kind of seems to – it finds its way to me. Uh, i 've created that funnel that 's very kind of um, uh, it's it 's kind of serendipitous in a well,
0: way it 's also you 've crossed that threshold right which is you know the point where you 're no longer having to search out great content great content now comes to you great interaction now comes to you and yeah. so I think that that 's a key point that so many people don't understand when they get into Twitter initially is that they sit there and they think that it's constantly an outbound kind of play and once you clear, for me the experience has regularly been around 500 followers and 500 people you're following you're not going to see every tweet and so you have to take that you know lean back posture to it and so it creates this opportunity for people to filter great content to you Um, and and so it's interesting to hear that you're getting at even at, you know, 10,000 followers because, you know, I'm, you know, at 1500 or so right now. And that's, that's really interesting that it's still the same experience. It just is uh, at a greater kind of breadth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's more volume and more velocity in a way, but, but the way I have it set up and and I really, I don't even know if I can really replicate it for, for somebody else. It's organic. I mean, you, you really grow that funnel and that filter over time. Hmm. Um, but you know, I, I can look at, you know Jay Bear and you know Gary Vee and Amber porter Cox and and all the other people who were in that column. Um, but ultimately, it's kind of like I browse through it the way I browse through any other column. Uh, it's it's really the the direct interaction. Somebody speaking to me that uh, that makes me follow them at least you know consciously at that moment. Um, so right now I'm, I'm looking at my column and I'm seeing let's see uh, Trey Pennington is on there. I haven't talked to him in a few days, but he's a really good one to follow. Uh, you know, again Beth Hart. You have uh, James Steele. Well, you of course.
0: Oh, dude, I, don't uh, don't include me on that. That's that's not appropriate. <laughs> right. I I don't comment on your blog nearly enough to be listed in the same set of uh, lists that that you're mentioning those uh, no.
1: people. Comments are a dime a dozen, Um, but no, like you know, and it's funny because there are some affinities with associations or or particular groups or communities. So, for example, like minds uh, is uh, is a really interesting one. So, guys like Drew Ellis, Caroline Bosher, Scott Gould. that That whole group, I have a column specifically for them, so I follow them in the context of the conversations that we have with like minds um, same thing with the uh the uh ungeeked and elite community with uh with c d and and all those folks from the chicago Milwaukee area so um yeah it's it's weird it's not unfortunately I can't put together a list of okay, these are the five people you should no, follow that's, uh, that's
0: that's not what I'm asking for, but I mean you've given enough <laughs> names right you've given enough context on how you're using Twitter, which I actually think is is one of the more interesting points in this interview. So I appreciate that. Thank you uh, again for, you know, making the time. I know that you're insanely busy and and it just means the world to me that that you would do this. Um, So, you know, thanks.
1: It was my pleasure, seriously. Have a good one. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Meet My Followers as much as I did recording it. Olivier is an incredibly intelligent guy, so follow him up on Twitter. That's at the TheBrandBuilder, or go read his blog at TheBrandBuilder.wordpress.com. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode of Meet My Followers. I hope that you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll come back to listen again. Go out there, guys, and have a fantastic day.